0: The coronavirus continues to affect the FGC. We discuss some of the particulars and the possible longer-term effects as we try to form an idea of what the coming weeks and months might look like. Plus, we get into Topanga 2020 finals predictions, how to adjust your focus to stop making dumb mistakes. We check the mailbag and more on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast.
1: Perfect. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How's it
0: going, everybody? Stay, uh, Staying safe, I hope.
1: Yeah, you know what? Let, let's get right into that, actually. Um, you, you brought up to me that you're worried about the coronavirus a bit and what it's going to mean for the pro tours here in the FGC events and other stuff like that. And, and I'm going to actually mention here from the start that I've been following this, you know, fairly closely. Uh, I've got young members of my family, uh, my kids, and then I've got older members of my family who I'm trying to look out for and make sure, you know, everything's all right. And before we get into it and discuss like the speculation we've heard, the things we've heard, uh, the facts we've heard, I want to state outright that there's conflicting information out there that is extensive. One media outlet will tell you one thing and then change it a few days later. Uh, Another media outlet will say something else entirely. Um so we're going to discuss this stuff a bit we don't normally discuss it but it's definitely having a heavy impact on video games the fgc all that kind of stuff so it's time we get into it but we do recommend that you tune into the experts in this field uh go to the media outlets yourself do your own research you know feel how you want to feel about it we are not experts on you know uh virus and disease spreading and all that kind of stuff but we, we we've been following this a bit uh and we want to discuss it so
0: yeah and i'm i'm not so i i should say a little bit um I personally am not really in the the age group or the description that is going to be, you know, particularly susceptible to the coronavirus. And I've also come from uh, observing like a lot of these kind of scares in the past where it, you know, people made a big deal about whatever the new flu thing that was going around and it, it never really affected my life, right, and or the lives of the people around me. Um, and so I'm I'm usually pretty conservative and, and slow to, to believe the uh, the hype or the fear if you will about these things, um, and, and uh, so with the coronavirus I'm it's definitely more than any of these things have been before as far as my perception goes. But I'm more asking not so much about you know like for my own well-being. I'm actually like I'm <laughs> pray for me man. I'm I'm flying to uh, Portland this weekend. But I, I'm more asking because we have we're seeing more and more cancellations of events. We uh, recently was it yesterday? We saw NCR officially get um, canceled, and it's like that oh, yeah. came after Capcom had to pull out from the Pro Tour, so or essentially take away Pro Tour status from NCR, which was unfortunate in and of itself. But now they have to completely cancel, and so I'm wondering about these To's having to last minute cancel and how much money they're going to lose. A lot of events have got up and running. You know, this might not kill off SCR or I'm sorry NCR, but you know, maybe some of the smaller ones that are like just getting up there or, you know, can't really afford to not actually run the event now that they've all set it up, like they're going to take a big loss. wondering how many, um, if if this might be even fatal for some.
1: Yeah, I think that the venues and the places that they're running it through, I would hope that it's a case by case thing. And because of the, you know, coronavirus being what it is, you know, if a, a state or government agency cancels the event, I would hope that, you know, they would refund the money or find some kind of middle ground there for not, you know, running these events into the ground,
0: basically. Valle tweeted, and he's got a lot of experience with this because he was just kind of saying is, you know, acknowledging what had happened with uh, NCR and and John Choi, of course, being the TO up there. And he said, you know, I've been through a lot of interactions and had to sign a lot of contracts that were kind of garbage, where in the case of an event like this, they're not going to give you refunds and such. And he's like, my fingers are crossed, or I'm, I'm hoping that, that's not the case with a lot of these, but I, he, I have to imagine it probably is,
1: you know, Yeah, and it's, it's like, uh, you, you hope that that doesn't happen, but you, you kind of fear that it's going to, cause of the contracts and other things. It's, um, it's, it's bad in a lot of spots, um. There was an episode of the Joe Rogan podcast here with uh, Michael Osterholm. Uh, he is an internationally recognized expert on infectious disease, um, and he actually felt that it was just the very start of the pandemic, and we've got months of this in front of us. So um, there are some people out there saying this could be seasonal, where the virus stops spreading as much in the summer months, uh, but that it could also return in fall or winter. Um, a vaccine is supposed to be like 12 or more months away. Uh, and right now, U.S. sports leagues like the NBA are actually considering playing games with no one in the stadium except for the players, coaches and staff that needs to be there. Um, and they may also like move games to other places that haven't suffered outbreaks. Um, and there's also the thought of pro- postponing games until a future time. And uh, actually, E3, which was set to, play, uh, set to t- take place in June uh, in California, Southern California, is officially canceled now. So that popped up um, like ten minutes ago, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, just happened. Um, you look at all this stuff and I think that some case by case basis can be, you know, established. The US, you know, just talking about this region alone is huge. And that you might have an outbreak all up and down the West Coast and the East Coast might be fairly untouched by the areas you're going to. And you might say, you know what, I don't see the need to cancel our event because literally there's no outbreaks here. There's no other things and whatnot. And and that's what the messaging from the CDC has been from what I've seen, uh, that they're, they're talking about like certain areas really need to lock down. You know, we just saw NCR canceled. We just saw, you know, E3, all that kind of stuff. There are certain things that have to be locked down is kind of what they're saying. And certain other areas where it's like, Maybe not, you know, um, and I don't know how wise or not wise that is, but that is what is going on right now, and I kind of see that as basically the future of the FGC with our pro tours, where you're going to see some events just completely wiped out in some regions, and maybe not coming back for months or a year or whatever, uh, it might be gone for a long time, and then some other, you know, uh, events will probably continue on, uh, pretty much. Uninterrupted, I'm sure you know probably less attendance, less people going just out of general fear. Um, but I that's kind of what I see the future of the pro Tour being right now, where I think there's going to be quite a few less events. Um, and yeah, that's what we're going to see. It's unfortunate the timing of all of this. You know, I mean, I, I guess it wouldn't have been necessarily
0: better for the tours, uh, any of the tours. It's not just the Capcom Pro Tour, by the way. Um, it's it's basically everyone. Um, and I mean, if it happened in the middle of the season, that I don't think it would necessarily be any better uh could be worse towards the end whatever but it just sucks to, ha- to see this happen to people that are um you know putting on these events and doing this kind of work and um you gotta you gotta hope for the best for them
1: yeah uh just to put a um just to wrap this up i should say on a lot of city and state levels uh, most gatherings of around 100 people or more are starting to be banned Um, And one of the things that was cited was recycled air could be a big issue, Uh, like what happens in many cruise ship cabins uh, is being uh, being cited as particularly dangerous for picking up coronavirus. Um, So it kind of makes sense why they're looking to to cancel large gatherings of people, um, because it's like, well, yeah. Um, And I know that Ono actually just recently tweeted again about the coronavirus saying, hey, we're monitoring this very closely. We're looking at what to do. I could honestly see a lot of events shifting online where it's like, look, we're just going to run these events. It's kind of like, you know, we canceled this, but like we're going to just do the tournament, you know, mode and and do this and people can sign up for it. We realize it's not the same, but this is a way of having something else out there when we're canceling all these offline events because of, you know, just how scary it is out there. So. So, yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I don't know about. <laughs> I I'm not too sure how that would go down if they transferred like, you know, Evo online. I don't. That's kind of crazy to me. Uh, but. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully that this just clears up sooner rather than later and we don't have to see that world for multiple reasons.
1: Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely get away from speculation here because there's so much that could change in a month or two. Um, Evo is a ways out. You know, it's in the summer months where people feel like the virus may let up, you know, and and it may not be near as dangerous. Maybe it, it never really hits Vegas, you know, like the land of the desert, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But again, I don't want to speculate too heavily with something that could be very deadly and something that we're not experts with. So once again, I said this at the beginning, I'm going to say it again. Go tune in to the major media outlets. Go listen to the experts and other stuff like that. We're event hubs. We cover fighting games. Uh, We can tell you how to do a dragon punch. We don't really know uh, a lot about the coronavirus and how to stop it from spreading. Uh, We just wanted to kind of get this out there and talk about it a little bit because it is heavily impacting the FGC, the tournament scene, and, and we felt we needed to address it. Um, So moving on here, uh, on a much lighter subject, um, you posted an article last night talking about making fewer mistakes here in Street Fighter V, like by simplifying your offense. Like, what are you seeing there? Like, what are you doing? What's happening? Okay, so there's a little bit of a
0: truth about Street Fighter V that we kind of knew even before the game came out, and that was that it was a commitment-based system, simply because the devs told us that. Right? They wanted to get away from the ideas of option selects and make players play the, I don't want to say the rock paper scissors game because it's, it's, that's usually has a negative connotation. And that's not really, it's, this isn't a bad thing. It's just, you have to make your decision and you can't cover more than one option at a time. And so I come, though, from the Street Fighter Four era where we had option selects and where um, up until recently Street Fighter Five has basically got rid of the whole I can't react to stuff anymore um, through fixing um, you know, the input and, all, and, and things along those lines and making the footsies uh, a little better. But I come from the era where I was used to doing that all the time and um, and I find myself now especially playing Kage. Uh, same idea with Nikali, but he's a little more simple and the example with Kage might resonate a little easily more easily Um, but I even when I'm on offense I am juggling all of the potential things that could happen as though I would be able to react to whatever actually manifests on the screen and really that approach just doesn't work because we've talked before a handful of times about how Street Fighter V is a juggling act and you're basically doing your opponent's work for them when you're putting so many pins in your own little rotation that you're not ready for what actually comes out. And I find myself actually like maybe setting up and and getting an opportunity, making an opening happen, something like doing a shimmy is a very simple example where they actually take the bait and they whiff the throw. And I'm not ready to do the easy part, arguably, which is just capitalize now that they've fallen into your trap. Similarly, maybe I'm scoring um, frame traps and then not hit confirming them into more combo and and maximizing the whole reward that I've been aiming for in the first place. And that feeling sucks, man. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm thinking about it. And I'm going, you know what? I, I have to stop approaching it like I'm Superman and I can juggle all of these options at once. I need to be able to go from a different level of focus, because you are doing a lot more juggling in neutral, because there's a lot of potential, but it's a lot easier to react to a jump in or a forward dash than it is to react to, you know, they, already, they pushed a three frame button or a five frame button, you know, so um, you can be juggling more there. But as soon as you get up close, and this actually does work on offense or defense, you need to focus in and, and get rid of most of the pins and that's scary and hard and for me and I bet for a lot of other people it makes you feel this sense of anxiety because you go yeah but what if they they choose one of those options exactly like that could happen but you are informed because you've been paying attention. How they reacted in the situation before. What are people's natural tendencies, or what's your gut telling you? It's a combination of that. You make a decision on one thing that you're going to try to do. Are you going to try to shimmy them, then shimmy them, and don't worry about well, what if I went in the last second and did a meaty, or 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 what if they wake up DP? Should I just sit and block, or you know, and and overfill your own you know juggling routine. Just go up and say, I'm gonna do the frame trap and I'm gonna focus to see if the second move hits because then I'm gonna hit confirm and that's all I'm focused on for that split second. And when you do that, it ups your ability to actually execute when you make the openings happen. And it is a little anxiety driving because you're sacrificing other options and you might be wrong, but you have to be okay with maybe being wrong because otherwise, It's like you're gonna drop the you're gonna drop the fly ball catch that's easy and routine like every time and it's horrible you need to just like make the commitment and and do the thing and when it happens you'll be ready to do it efficiently and then the game becomes more about your personal decision-making process and and that is something that you can refine but trying to be able to be ready for everything at once It's just, it's no bueno. And so I've been trying to implement that. And when I do, and and it's hard, I have to, it's something I have to really actively think about. And it's easy to get distracted and and, and lose sight of that. But when I actually do it, I'm seeing myself much better with hit confirms, um, playing with with more intent, less hesitation. It's really sharpened my game up. And so I wanted to share that with people. I also um, posted an article just last night. So it's pretty fresh up on the website. You can go to the front page and find it. Um, and uh, and yeah so I wanted to share that with people and it, it'll apply to more than just Street Fighter 5 but that's my main example and like I say it's commitment based system is or, or meta maybe you could say is uh, a big factor in this
1: so there it is gotcha so in this vein, um, something that helps me is having a few baseline options instead of going full-on Galaxy Brain at first. I want to see if the person has a high-level knowledge of Manat and the mix-ups I want to do. Uh, shockingly enough, most people do not. Uh, I've ran into some very pro-level players that are very notable in the community, and I start doing my V-Trigger 2, V-Skill 2 mix-ups, and they're like, what the hell is this? Uh, one of the best players on the planet. I, I was actually hitting them with stuff. I went back and watched the stream. They will remain nameless, and they're like, What the hell is this I have never seen this before and if you try to go full galaxy brain with those mix-ups, Like when I play dream king, he knows all of my tricks And so I can't you know do the base level stuff But against even some of the best players I can and they don't know what's coming And and so that's where I start with most players who I feel like don't have a good experience against me And then if they show they have some of those counters Then I go full-on galaxy brain and and try to do some staggers and try to do some stuff where it's like they know what's coming But if I stagger it a bit or throw it in a different way than they're not expecting I can blow them up for it and, and that's kind of like, I, I think we're, you're talking about the same thing here. And that's just one of the ways I approach it that I, I wanted to throw out there to people.
0: So. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, a good example of the scientific brain because it's everything that I don't naturally want to do. And I see the value in it, but it's it's hard for me because I'm on the uh, the poetic emotional side when I play. And my gut is incorrectly often telling me to do the same thing over and over again and and that is to try to be ready for everything at once and mm. it's it takes a certain level of discipline at least for a player like me to put that aside and kind of walk toward the fire a little bit it's the, it's similar to um, learning to walk past your opponent's poke range even, and and continue to do so when you feel like you've conditioned them or when you're trying to find out how close you can get before they'll push a button And being okay with walking in that danger zone and still not going immediately to block.
1: The power of nothing that's what I keep coming back to where that's you just stand is. there and you do nothing and, and just wait for the opponent to do something stupid and you blow them up for it and you're not actually doing anything but just waiting to react but not even hitting a button and just oh man it's it's scary to do it but when you're in the zone like you're not it's not even scary to do it at all you're just you're just reacting you're just there you kind of know what your opponent's options are and you can blow them up for anyone that they do that's stupid and you got to really be in someone's head to pull that off but we, we've seen it before at the highest of levels I remember Daigo doing it to tokido you know not that long ago and it was like what's going on here like daigo's standing there hitting no buttons with a charge character like he's a charge character and he's not doing anything like and it's like yeah it's it can be intimidating but um it's it's a yeah
0: when daigo got on gamer B's rhythm and street fighter oh, 4 gosh. and and was dp'ing gamer b on his wake up over <laughs> and over again it was like the Ume Shoryu was already a thing, but that replaced the old definition picture in the dictionary of Gamer B's Adon just with a punch under his chin and just, oh man. I, and and again, I think about that and I always think about Energizer because the Energizer had their logo. Energizer Batteries logo is is just burned into my mind now in a, in a memory that I go back to fairly often in my line of work. So good job, Energizer. Good job, Daigo. And uh, I, I but I think the point was getting on other people's rhythm and just getting in the zone and just knowing when to take those crazy risks because it's exactly the right answer to what your opponent is doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, speaking of Tokido and Daigo. Um, We wanted to get into paying predictions here because this weekend, we've got the championship coming up. Uh, They are now turning their sets into longer ones, and they have gone down from nine players in each block to just six players left entirely. Uh, And we wanted to see, like, uh, you actually brought this up, like... Who are our predictions to win? And I'll jump in here first and just mention that Tokido is coming in extremely hot. He went 8-0 in the matches, and they weren't particularly close, actually. Like, he pretty much dominated all the way through his block of matches and whatnot. And then considering the format and the history here of the longer sets and all that kind of stuff, I'm going to take Tokido as my number one overall, and then Daigo as the Batman backup, because he's going to sit there and study all these matchups in advance and have a very good idea of what he's doing. Plus, he's playing a very high-tier character, and guile—that's something he flat out admits uh, that his character is great. He, his character is so great, he was playing other characters to throw Capcom and everyone else off, off the scent of guile, so that they would not nerf his character further. Because that's how good his character is in this season. There it is.
0: That's fun. Uh, i You're not wrong about Tokido. His game differential at the end of his sets being eight and zero. He won twenty-four and lost ten. Differential plus 14. Second place in his, bra- uh, his bracket, his block, uh, was Kawano with plus 5, and Fudo also had plus 5. They were both 20 and 15. But that shows you just how far ahead. Now in the other block, the winner, Mago, was plus 9, and he was second place overall. But man, Tokido, just a head and shoulders above everybody in the first round. You are right though. You can't talk about this without bringing up the fact that Daigo is the Batman of the FGC and you even mentioned the it was Kimono Michi where Daigo made Tokito cry. <laughs> Taking a little bit of a liberty there, but his Tokido was pretty much established as probably the top player in the world and if he wasn't, he was in the conversation of everybody's top 3 players in the world daigo is daigo hadn't seen a ton of his success though certainly not as much as tokido but you give daigo time to prepare and hot damn he is counting the the pixels between you and him on the screen and knowing exactly where your moves are going to whiff and in what special conditions and where you like to do them and he's also pulling out those crazy gamer bdps charged up by Energizer right and so you can't write Daigo out for this now he's been in these kind of situations before though Daigo's made it into top um, you know your finals of a a round robin style event and he hasn't won them so it's not just a given that okay well we gave Daigo two weeks or three weeks or whatever it's been and now he's going to win for sure it's it's not that simple. And you've got a lot of other red-hot players that if they... It, all it's really going to take, in my mind, is that they have a good day. And that's Mago. That's Kawano. Um, and you can... well, Fudo's a lock for second place, right? So we're kind of talking about everybody else at this point. But maybe it's Fudo's day. Who knows? Uh, and then Dalgara has been up and down. He's one of those players that has good days. And out of everyone here, though, I think he spent his good day... Or his good couple of days uh, at the preliminaries, I would be very happy to be corrected. I like Doggera as a player. Uh, I like him as a dude too. He seems like a really cool, just like a fun personality. But of these people here on this list, he is my least favorite, and that's that's not a bad thing. Like he's still the the best of of you know like top top zero 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 one percent of players. But he's my least favorite of these guys here just from what I can remember in recent memory. Because Kawano, who's the kind of the more unknown of everyone here, as as far as we're concerned, he's just been on fire. And and that's my only sight of him thus far. So uh, he, he's kind of a wild card as, as well in my book. But uh, I'm expecting that he'll continue to play the way he's been playing. And if that's the case, he's a contender as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I just want to shout out Tokido here, especially his Urian, which looked more raw than any pro Urian I've ever ever seen before and then putting yuri in number one in the tier list that they put out like you know a couple weeks later or whatever and then going straight to freaking akuma and using them all throughout the tournament and kicking everyone's ass like that was the ultimate form of sandbagging that i think i've ever seen from tokido or pretty much anyone else uh in, in this recent memory shout outs to that dude because i think you threw a bunch of people off the scent from how good you know akuma still is and how good you still are that you're your urine looked like balls. Total freaking balls. It was one of, I, I'm not even joking. It looked terrible. I said it on the podcast. I'm like, I don't know what Tokito is doing with urine. It looks terrible. like Balls not that bad. have been
0: powered up by V-Skill 2.
1: <laughs> there you go. And, uh, and so it jumps in, kicks everyone's butt. And I'm like, you know what? You guys are doing some next-level sandbagging. And I freaking respect the hell out of it i respect the hell out of it because that was awesome and you're probably going to win like thirty thousand dollars or whatever the prize pool is for for topanga for doing that you 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 got my respect on that one man. So.
0: <laughs> two million yen for for tokido when he wins first place it's about eighteen thousand dollars
1: uh there it is maybe like thirty thousand dollar prize pool like throughout if i remember correctly but sure uh, yeah oh uh, my goodness so anyway Um, Capcom is looking to update Street Fighter V's netcode again and I know there have been a few good discoveries out there and things documented that are still, you know, not great with the netcode and people are trying to get it better but so many people out there are complaining still without being specific as to what's happening. And Capcom is looking to update the game again. It sounds like their dev team got approval to do more and yet what are the major things that they should be working on? They're asking the community and the community is like, netcode sucks, the netcode sucks. And it's like, We need to be better than that. We should be documenting the stuff for them so we can point to very specific things that are not working right. You don't need a technical background to do this either. It's just noting when and where the game has issues, talking about those to other people, and doing your best to find some kind of consensus among those people as to what's going wrong. And that's what you do. You communicate, you get into our comments, you go on Twitter, you go anywhere else, you you get that stuff out there, you find some kind of consensus of what does not work well in this game, and you communicate that back actively to Capcom so they know what's going on and know how to fix it. If you're saying, the netcode sucks, this is not good, and I've seen this from top level pro players who are respected in the community, flat out say this kind of dumb stuff that goes nowhere. You're not helping anyone, as a matter of fact, you're hurting people by putting out those dumb stupid low tier unbelievably bad takes you need to be better than that and this is a legitimate chance to improve the game not only for you but everyone else and we need to take these opportunities and be productive with them this this does not let off capcom off the hook but we're not off the hook either as a community we need to be better and people might immediately go okay well what's your what's your grand idea to make things better and i'm going to steal a great idea from dream king and you that you guys brought up the other day because damn it it's a great idea I did. I'm going to steal it from you. Um, And that is making the bars a ping number instead of like, you know, like a five bar connection, especially in battle lounges where it doesn't seem like the bars are updating all that often to let you know how good or how bad the connection is with someone. And I know that most people understand like, oh, five bars, four bars or whatever. You got a cell phone. You understand the concept of how good your connection is or is not. But... A ping time for hardcore players, which is you know what most people um, are now on Street Fighter V, if you're still playing this game after four or five years, you're a hardcore player. Having that option like Mortal Kombat 11 does where you can display a ping up there to know how good or how bad someone's connection is, is huge. And that is a simple toggle that you go into in the options. It's like show bar or show ping or show both kind of thing. And you should have that option so that you can see someone with a hundred ping time and Capcom says it's five bars and you go, you know what? That might be five bars to them, but that ain't five bars to me. That ain't playable. I don't want it
0: Yeah, it happens all the time that I won't say the bars are a lie but whatever the uh, the the Appropriate statement or comment that's one level below that. Uh, that's the that's the one I want to make because Yeah, I don't if I see five bars It doesn't give me much faith that this is going to feel like I mean Or maybe it just means that five bars is still a kind of a crappy connection but I, I would like to assume that a five bar connection is close to spotless and that's certainly not what most five bar connections are especially recently I, you, you brought up that people are complaining more and i've found in my own personal connections like when i play dream king for instance uh, our sets used to be a lot more fluid they were never perfect but th- it feels like they're kind of worse now and the same goes for like uh, my i played my friend tyler and we almost always have Spotless connections because we live like five miles away from each other and we both have, you know Decent enough internet where we've had plenty of very very fluid matches in the past or sets I should say and this was noticeably worse than virtually all of those and I've been hearing again the same kind of murmurs that don't like they're all saying the same idea that it's worse than it used to be
1: Yeah, I I think that connections, you know can vary Uh, I mean I think the the netcode update helped me you know personally I didn't think it helped gigantically but there's less kind of like teleporting and skipping and whatnot but I know some people are not happy with the update Um, it's your mileage is going to vary on this your connection quality can definitely change there's a lot of things that could be going on but this is this is why we get in there and document this stuff and we specifically note stuff like you know what Bison's v trigger one when he activates it it actually slows the game down and the game can't keep up with it frame rate wise you know and so We go in there, we document that for Capcom and say, hey, the game slows down to 30 frames a second whenever he does this. Can you alter this move a little bit to to take less system resources up and make it more reactable? Because it's bullcrap, especially when you play with it online. It's even offline. It's a bad enough move. But online, it's like it's a little too hard to react to it because of the way it slows the game down. Nicali needs a haircut. That's one thing that has to happen. (laughs) But I throw that out there. I kid a little bit about this stuff. Um, But overall, there are many ways we can improve the game. And that's the feedback we need to be giving to Capcom and to other FGC companies. And even if you're not a fan of Capcom, like, they are the torchbearer for so many other companies in the FGC. And the stuff that they do is is iterated and copied by many other companies. Not all. They're not the innovators of everything. I'm not saying that. But a number of things they do are picked up by other companies. So... Um, it's a good place to start for a lot of people because we can improve the entire FJC by documenting this stuff properly and communicating it properly. So once again, I encourage people to get out there, do this stuff. If you want to ping John and I about something you found, please by all means do so. We'll read it here on the podcast. We might turn it into an article on the website. Um, you know, There's a lot of ways that we can take the words that you're saying that if you found something and, and promote the heck out of that so it's seen by the people who need to see it. All right, rant over. Uh, Netcode gets me gets me going, right? So, um, but next up, I, I wanted to mention that Mene RD had some thoughts about his victory at Capcom Cup 2017. Uh, I spoke with him uh, at this most recent Capcom Cup uh, about how the community received him and like his country afterwards. And he said that actually he heard way more positive feedback than negative about the Dominican Republic um, about how hype they get. You know, because there was that big drama with Kaba and Luigi where they had gotten like too loud and Mena RD like flat out admitted He's like, hey, that got out of hand recently or um, in the past, I should say. But he mentioned that overall, most people he talks to in the FGC, they love how hyped the DR gets. And they say the energy and all that other kind of stuff, it just it, it brings it up to a new level. So I thought that was pretty cool because that was a, a big, you know, controversial thing when that happened. But a lot of positivity has come out of that because of the community just more so focusing on the good parts of people getting hype and enjoying stuff. And, you know, like it got regulated to the point where, you know, if, hey, out of hand, we took care of it. Now we can just enjoy the DR getting everyone going and it's it's it's, it's kind
0: of washed off of the dr's record in terms of it being a negative thing and i think a big reason for that is because that that more or less is only going to happen when you're talking about pools matches where everyone's already huddled in really close next to the players bumping shoulders and elbows and, and easily can be distracting and even physically you know right there on top of you you could feel the vibrations of the screams and they're high pitched and they're in your ears and such but i mean mena also pops into top 8s and and such right and and so a lot of especially maybe not so much last year but the year before as well and uh and and then both he and kaba were in capcom cup and a lot of the cheering was happening from the crowd to the main stage and it's a lot more appropriate there and because there were so many of those examples, and and it's very entertaining to watch you it they're the kind of like charisma that they build up for their champion there can spill over easily, especially if you're not super into the other guy, you know, and and wanting them to win for whatever reason. So people like it, and it's become it's resonated more as a positive than the initial negative that it actually kind of emerged under and and so it's it's more of just people having a good time also you kind of figure out you know what especially when you're starting to travel internationally we're seeing the dr travel a lot more um, i know that we can get a lot more rowdy in tucson than we kind of should when we go other places because expectations and cultures and little subcultures of of you know whatever arcade shop your your locals meet at um, can be very different from mine or somebody else's and so that's also just kind of you know the rest of the world telling the dr hey maybe don't be as loud right now and 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 then you figure it out and you regulate and and everything's good you know and you kind of figure out how to play nice with everyone and and everyone meets each other halfway and and so yeah feel good story and we're happy to have the dr around to uh to give that extra charisma and get the room a, a little warmer and a little more excited
1: yeah, I, I follow the NBA and and they talk about home court advantage where the fans get super loud and just really into it and whatnot and, and that's something that like I carry with me because I love that I love pro sports uh, especially you know basketball and seeing the DR get that hype and supporting their players that much like it just it really brings it out of me so it was it was sad for me not to see um uh, you mentioned uh, Kaba at Kakow uh, Cup he actually wasn't there uh, Mena RD was uh, but he was only in the LCQ um, so it's uh, it was kind of an unfortunate showing for them but uh, I I did speak with Mena about that. And he felt like he was going to bounce back a lot this year. He's going to put a lot of time. Uh, He's a very young man. um, And, you know, he had some personal stuff going on that that kind of, you know, threw him off a little bit last year. uh, But he felt like he was going to make a big bounce back here. Um, So I, I thought that was interesting. And Actually, of all things, one of the ways that he, you know, got put on the map most heavily, of course, was winning Capcom Cup 2017, and it was really fascinating to me because he said that Knuckle Dude dropping out. Uh, if you guys don't remember, Knuckle Dude actually uh, voluntarily dropped out of the tournament because of, you know, personal issues, uh, and and Meta said that was actually a big thing about him. Uh, Winning the the tournament because he had to capitalize on that opportunity because knuckle do is one of the people he trained against and also a guile player guile is often regarded as a tough matchup for birdie so with that obstacle cleared he wanted to take full advantage of it that's what he told me And, and he very clearly did he won the entire event right Um and, and so it, it was fascinating to me to see something like that where it's like, man, even like we, we think of Mena as like not untouchable, but just like, you know, the best player of 2017. A lot of people do. Not everyone does. But but also it's like sometimes you have to have a little bit of, of fate kind of coincide with you, because if you run across a string of like just bad matchups or, you know, uh, bad player matchups necessarily, uh, you could really get derailed and, you know, not make it very far in Capcom Cup. But, you know, he had a little bit of a uh, fate luck on his side there, and, and he fully acknowledged it. And I thought that was very cool of him to, you know, to say that and to see, you know, like how much he respects Knuckle Dew. And, you know, like he really felt that it was a, you know, if he ran into him, it was going to be, you know, a tough matchup for him. Um, but, yeah.
0: So talking um, about the, uh, the well, it was a 12th man in... um in football or whatever it is, right? But the the crowd, you know, mm-hmm. acting as as a force on the uh, the players and and raising the the stakes with their excitement and such. Um, I just I, when you brought that up, I immediately thought about how we were talking earlier, and this is an aside for sure. But we were talking earlier about the possibility of major sporting events canceling, um, well, not canceling their events, but like not having crowds. So just yeah. like the players, the coaches, the like and maybe the media and watching like pro sport like if you watch a pro basketball game or something like that and and there's no one there so it's just like a pickup game or this feeling of that with no one cheering and you just all you hear is this the squeaks on the on the court and the ball you know and and such and it's like that's gonna be so weird um mm-hmm. and that's my weird aside
1: <laughs> yeah it's it might be coming to the fgc too we're we're gonna see i mean that's you know they've already done some of that already and, and we it's it's a really interesting time but um but yeah, oh, I did want to circle back actually and talk a bit about Birdie uh, and just mention that that year uh, where Meta won, he was 15th out of 28 characters in our community voted tiers. Um, and that that means that he wasn't even in the top half of the game's best characters according to community votes. Of course, Meta RD won with him. Um, I think the community votes were heavily underrating Birdie that year. And then prior to that block of time, Birdie was actually considered to be a low tier character, uh, like in season one of Street Fighter V. Um, and, you know, he was in like the, the bottom part of our tier list, so that community voted one. And and mena winning with them, put them on the map for most people. And the reason I bring this up is once again, history shows you can make a lot of characters work at the highest of levels. You don't just have to pick who the community says is a very top end tier. Players prove all the time that the people are uh, the masses of people are sleeping on characters. Um, and you know, Mena did it. Uh, Mena did it with Birdie, and it's like it's hard to imagine a time where Birdie was not considered good. But that was that was not actually that long ago. It was really Mena. Fudo, I think, kind of followed after. You know, um, and it's just it's really shocking sometimes and surprising to me how. Characters are slept on just so constantly in the community. I've talked about it a lot, but once again, I wanted to to cite an example there.
0: Season two, that was season two, right? Yeah, twenty seventeen. Yes. That was the peak of my hatred for Birdie. Now, yeah. I will say that I think he was an overall better character, especially at the start of season three. So, I guess throughout season three, and he sh- for all intents and purposes should be kind of now, unless he got significantly nerfed. Um, and we saw a lot of people pick him up, most notably Fudo. And like I said, I do think he was an overall better character then. But 2017, I hated Birdie so much because he was that character that set those traps up for you with moves that were just do it moves. He was one of the kings of just do it and not only would they be safe but they would set you up for a trap if you tried to punish because of the way they yeah. spaced and it was like his armored normals that move forward he just had a bunch of goofy moves now and and then plus some like just do its with the headbutts and things like that um and i and so i was like he's like an old, he's a he's an online kind of coin flip and he'll win more often than he loses type of character but that doesn't that that doesn't fly in terms of going all the way to and winning capcom cup which is what mena did so there's more to the puzzle than my salty emotional reaction would say but uh, and so so i got to take my hat off to mena because you can't i mean i don't think you can just flip the coin over and over again and get through nemo and then tokido twice and and everybody else that he got through in capcom cup
1: idom i have to jump in and just mention idom like went on like a what was 120 something win streak with laura yeah, he does that all the
0: time man <laughs> yeah
1: but his his tweet about it was like man i'm just guessing right like for a 100 games in a row and stuff like that i'm like you uh, that is such a great tweet dude i love you so much for that tweet thank you for saying that it's just it, it's ugh, people man yeah yeah
0: yeah. so but the, um, my, my, my hate with those characters is just that they are designed and maybe not intentionally I doubt intentionally but they they resulted in such a way that they are encouraging dumb <laughs> silly silly uh, play that is not going to be fruitful most of the time but because of the way they're designed uh, it is kind of arguably the best play, or at least a very alluring way of playing them. And it, it takes away from I think the enjoyment of the game because a lot of people are it. It's in such a way that adds a lot of salt to it. I guess that's the most I can say. So if that's a bad thing or a good thing is up to the individual, but I don't personally like it.
1: Yeah, it's I look at it as a variety where um you you don't want every character playing the same way. You know um you want to have a, a variety of stuff in there, and as long as it's well balanced, it's not dominating. You know I think it's fine. But I will give you a shout out there that you were um you know uh playing the the birdie uh song of like this guy this guy is really stupid and like really good kind of thing before a lot of people were um and you know you can look back on the website and actually see that um so big ups to you you kind of spotted that trend before a lot of people did um and you're just saying how dumb he is but uh but yeah we had Um, a lot
0: of conversations because i needed a lot of therapeutic discussions to to come down from the uh the salty highs that i was on
1: But speaking of dumb characters, let's go ahead and talk about Rashid. And uh, I actually got into a discussion here with JB, who I absolutely love. This guy is so candid and so thoughtful and intelligent about how he approaches the game. And he was just like, you know, going in there uh, on season four Rashid and just Fully owning how good his character is, noting that any problems he has while playing, like uh, playing Rashid, they're purely on his end as a player due to how st- uh, strong Rashid is. In, you know or how strong rashid was overall in season four and that is so freaking refreshing to me to see a pro player and, and jB made Capcom cup this is a great player um and but he just completely owned how strong his character is and just like hey look if I lose that's so on me there's no faults here with rashid really it's like this is a this is a great character he didn't call him overpowered but he did call him one of the game's strongest characters in season four. Um, and, and yeah, so I just, I'm like, man, that's odd. Awesome. It's such a breath of fresh air. Like, I wish more pro players would do that. I understand why they don't. But I, we just got done talking about Tokido and, and Daigo sandbagging with like tier lists and their <laughs> remarks and stuff like that, right? But JB, like, it's like, he's like, just owned the whole Rashid conversation. Like, he's like, yep, it's, this character's great. And, and so I have to give him big props for that. So
0: there is a certain amount of. Um I don't know, maybe like a, a charisma that comes from him. <laughs> Just like, yeah, welcome to the truth. Uh, I'm going to play and try to win because this character is really good. Uh, yeah, they probably should nerve him. What's your next question? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're, I can't hate you, man. I can't hate you.
1: Yeah, um, he added that, you know, for people trying to level up as well, he said a great way to do that is to watch a lot of footage, study what's being done there and level up by implementing that into your game. Uh, this is something I've, I've very personally advocated hardcore for for a long time here. Uh, and you'll even see the pros doing this at tournaments. Like I was sitting next to Justin Wong at the previous Capcom Cup. And he's like, hey man, like how you doing? You know, we're talking about uh, different, you know, business ventures and stuff. And he's like, hey, I'm just, you know, watching the match footage here to prepare for my matchup, you know. And um, watching footage is a really, great way to level up with intent you know see some stuff that you want to do um, watch like you know two three matches it can be your own it can be other people and work on specific areas it's especially applicable with Street Fighter V because the CFN is so easy to get it replays and do all this kind of stuff um, to look up either your own or, or a top level player uh, and add that back in and again it's not even for like you know mid-level players or, or whatever these are like this is what the pros are doing too. To level up. And, and JP, um, he just, he he hardcore advocated for that as well. And I wanted to shout that out as yet another, you know, training tactic to get, to get better in the game. So
0: we should develop a training routine where it's like, you know, pick your favorite player and make sure you watch five of their matches a day and take notes on something that you notice, you know, that you can implement into your own game plan. And then practice certain difficult situations or timing your meaties because everyone can practice timing meaties in this game especially for you know x amount of time and then play this many sets online and then watch this much more footage something like that you could make at least forty dollars if you came out with a good. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> spread across uh, the entire FGC.
1: <laughs> that might be your entire take home is forty bucks, but yeah, yeah, yeah. for the, the you know forty days of work you put into it. But yeah, um, anyway, shout out to that. But anyway, uh, Ciro Blast is uh, next up, and he was uh, talking about the risk reward of Street Fighter Five. And um, in the interview I did with Why him, would actually, we listen huh? to
0: Sarah blast when it comes to risk reward? Actually, no, you're right. He's Why wouldn't you listen to Sarah Blast right. when it comes to this, actually? Because, right.
1: uh, I mean, he's kind of the master of this because he bets it all on EXDPs. And, I mean, he gets far in tournament, right? Um, but well, he, he OCV'd actually,
0: Team Japan at, uh, was it Canada's something or other? I don't remember where it was. It doesn't matter. He OCV'd, like, Daigo and Mago and Nemo and, like, Fudo. I don't know. He's a wild man,
1: like. but it works. I mean, it's not like, you know, he's scrubbing out random people it's like as you mentioned it's big time people and um, anyway he, um, he used a term what he called controlled chaos in regards to how he plays because immediately people go random Right. They go random. This guy is just like hitting buttons and doing whatever and stuff like that. Yes, he has a very wild style. One of the more chaotic styles in the entire Street Fighter scene. Um, and, but I really enjoyed how he broke down how he actually approaches the game, which is identifying patterns and approaches long term. It's like, OK, yeah, I'm going to do some wild DPing stuff like, you know, at the very you know get go. How do you react to it? You know, how do you do this kind of stuff? It actually goes back to the segment you were talking about before about simplifying your offense a little bit. Right. Yeah. You you do some crazy stuff. That's a really good example. Yeah, yeah, you do some crazy stuff at the start. And, and so, where I'm going with this is that you can look at a player like Ceroblast and you can say, Oh, he's, you know, he's dumb, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. It's like, dude, the, the guy gets results and he gets very good results playing kin of all characters, right? You're not going to get that far playing kin and just being a totally random player. We've seen plenty of those come up and, and not do that well. Um, it's there's something to learn from players like this. I'm not saying to play exactly like them, but I'm saying there are things to take away from them. And again, talking with This gentleman. It's very clear he knows what he's doing and how he's going about it, and there is a method to his madness. There is a controlled chaos he is putting out there. And yeah.
0: Here's the difference in my mind between Ceroblast and online random scrub flowchart Ken. I get why people would want to quickly put him in this same category, but there's a very specific reason why you cannot, in my opinion. And that is because it's it's clear and i've and and i can i can conclude this both from watching from literally playing against and from listening to his commentary on it or his discussion through like your interview and such that All of this is being actively thought about and considered. It's his prerogative and it's any player's prerogative to approach the game however they want. What we look down upon is when someone approaches the game and cheapens it by not intricately considering and thinking about it. Because at the end of the day, what are we doing but sitting down and saying, my problem solving process played out through this avatar on the screen is going to be better than yours. What do you think? And the other person to the degree that they give you that I think directly correlates with how much fun, enjoyment and interest you're going to have in the result. Not necessarily fun in the sense that like you're, they, they might be kicking your ass and that's not fun. But as far as like the meaning of playing this and what you get out of it, that's what we're looking for on like a fundamental level and Cereblast hundred percent checks that box he's just doing it um in the same kind of ballpark or a lot of the stuff that he does looks a lot like just the i'm gonna randomly do it but he's sitting there and like he's considering what did you do last time what kind of juggling pins are you specifically juggling right now because of the way i've been playing and he's literally trying to Urge your mind to be in certain places so that he can capitalize on that. And that is a valid strategy. Now, is it probably going to be the most successful long-term strategy? I don't think so. And and sure enough, like Cerroblast. He plays very hot and very cold, and, he, and the results are very hot and very cold, right? He's got his really hot moments where he OCVs Team Japan, but there have been plenty of tournaments where Seroblast doesn't place all that high, and, and you go, yeah, that makes sense too, because he's kind of this all-in sort of method. Tell you, th- tell you this, it's very entertaining to watch. It's gonna be really good for eSports as things go forward, so there are reasons to do this, and you know what? He clearly enjoys playing with this particular approach hundred percent his prerogative to do so and it's like i say it's fun to watch it's not always fun to play against because he's forcing you to make these uh to play in maybe broader terms it's like you're just making the decision right now to do the thing or not and it's a decision you don't normally have to make so you're going to be kind of you know on edge because you're not used to having to deal with people you know going for it on fourth down or 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 you know doing weird punt fakes on first down something like that I don't know but you're 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 not in your element of what you're used to normally so that's his advantage too and so he's it's it's a little it's a little bit cheap maybe uh but it's enough of a calculated approach that it's very valid and it's it's a good contribution i'm glad seroblast is around
1: i i played this guy a few times and he's hard to deal with he's so wild and you know it's coming but you can't stop it. Let me repeat that for emphasis. You know it's coming, but you can't stop it. I play Monat, a control character, and he was able to bust me up. I'm like, dude, I know you're going to do some crazy-ass stuff. Like, I know it, and I can't get a read on it, and I can't get in your head enough to just shut you down, and that's that's my specialty. That's what I love doing is getting in people's heads and frustrating them and just kind of locking them down. I'm not a bad player, and this bastard, and I mean that in with all possible respect on there. He calls he us bastards all
0: the time when we do things that are good on the website, yes. just for, for reference.
1: Yes. Yes. So this bastard kicked my ass and I'm like, damn it. I, I've watched so much of your footage. I knew what you were going to do and I still couldn't, and, and and this is where I go back to it. Understanding the meta of the game at a very high level can lead you into th- you know taking these hard reads and having them work out more often than not. And we've seen this previously with players like Punko, and now we see it with Seroblast. If you are good at those hard reads, if you can do that controlled chaos to really throw people off... You can do special things, and it's so funny that Daigo gets a free pass for all this stuff, but you just brought it up, like his sets with, with Gamer eight Adon, where he's doing DPs on his wake-up, and no one talks about that with Daigo except for the, the Umeshuru, right? Like, like, Well, Daigo they, has
0: accomplished a lot, a lot with his particular style, so he's got the, the, the resume to back it up.
1: And he's also gotten pieced out from doing the style as well right? So I, I get it. It's it's People put so much respect on Daigo's name, but Sarah Blast plays not a completely similar style, but sometimes they play Sarah very Blast similar. does not play like Daigo. Well, okay, hold on. Hold on. Now some, uh, we've watched Daigo get pieced out of tournaments when he was playing uh, Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, and he just kept D- DP'ing with Ryu, like, over and over and over. Oh, he like, does
0: that with Guile and, sometimes, too. That's definitely uh, Daigo not being in the rhythm and feeling like he might be in the rhythm, or being, like, kind of uh, shook to the point where he he's like I, I, I got to start doing Ume stuff and he's like he hasn't earned the
1: Ume stuff yet and we've seen him stand there and do nothing and then run up in people's faces and dash and do crazy stuff. Daigo does crazy stuff too. It's not as often as Ceroblast, but it is it's at least comparable. I mean, we're we're directly co- uh, correlating well, these Well, I two think there's a
0: significance way. in the in the amount that goes into the play and Daigo's is a lot more ca- like Ceroblast is always playing at 11 and, and he's always playing in, I don't in agree really with high gear. I, well, he, okay, he, 90% he, of the time mm, he's making those big flaring fiery DP decisions, Daigo goes there once in a while usually for a specific reason, Seroblast lives there.
1: 90% is like I open the the match and I'm DPing even though you're not in range sometimes. Yeah, I'll just light DP. You, yeah, yeah, hit a button or something like that. Like, I don't agree with 90%, but I do agree that Cero Blast is a bit more wild than Daigo. Um, but I, I also think, again, that that wildness has its place. I mean, we've seen it at the highest of levels, right? And not very many people can play that way, but some people can. Uh, anyone who plays Nikali is definitely up there. Like, that is a <laughs> wild character and we've seen that character win tournaments. And we've seen that character win tournaments by doing just dumb stuff super 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 dumb stuff and he pulls it out and so it's like I
0: love wake up DP on their wake up in the corner
1: yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, is it, and you you talk about loving that. It's like the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, of course, no, perfectly perfect. But yeah, yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, it's it's very interesting though watching the meta here and watching people's different takes on it. You know, we we have our own take here on like how the game you know is played at a high level. But you have these disruptors um, like a Ceroblast, like a punco, who have their own take on how the game should be played in a wild style, and they will completely go in there and disrupt your game plan and what you want to do and throw you off Uh, just talked about it i knew what this guy was going to do i knew it to my toes and i could not stop and it made me so it made me so mad initially and then like the moment the match was fixed or finished i should say um i had so much respect i'm just like you know what i gotta hold that i damn it that was good so so yeah Anyway, so I digress. So move on to a different subject here. Um, uh, Bonchan had a really interesting quote last year about low tier characters being perceived as stronger than they are when you run into someone who's very skilled with that character. And the example actually he gave was Sagat um, because a lot of people felt that, that the character was weak. So when you see a player doing high level stuff with them, it instantly challenges your perception uh, and can put you on tilt. So you basically think Sagat is weak and you've got a semi ish win kind of coming up, right? And that's kind of the perception here when you run across a low tier character, especially like Season 4 Ed or other things like that. But... When a talented player shows competency with that character, that starts to throw you off. Oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, I know. Isn't it, it like he really hit the nail on the head with this one. So he, he told a story of how a Sagat player he ran across encouraged him uh, to play Karen uh, and that he lost the matchup to the Sagat player. Like, you know, Bonchan takes Karen he, you know, the, and loses, right? And Bonchan's Karen in season four. Oh, my goodness. Such a, you know, such a powerful uh, uh character for him. So uh, obviously, uh, this is the fighter most associated with Bonchan, but he wasn't ready for what this unknown Sagat player had in store with him. And for him, I should say. There was a mental guard break, it sounded like, and this opened Bonchan's eyes up to how good Sagat could be even back in season four. And he doesn't think that Sagat is top tier, but there are times and places where he can be used to really disrupt the game plan of the other player, especially if they're ready for Bon Chance Karen. It's like you know what? I got a Sagat. Are you ready for a high level Sagat who may not be a top tier character, but he can put you on tilt because if you don't know the high level tactics this guy can do, he's gonna disrupt what you want to have go.
0: I'm kind of stuck on that feeling of of when you have this sense of confidence, specifically against a matchup. And then someone sits down and immediately shows you through their gameplay that they are not what you're expecting. And all of a sudden you're going to have to do that sit up in your chair and lean forward and engage. And really you're in suddenly new ground because or unexplored territory because they're going to have tech that you're not used to and uh and now it's like you're playing for the first time and they probably have plenty of experience against you uh, there was a um gosh i can't remember his name but it was a french honda player um if ever if anyone recognizes them just from this description maybe uh the tweet and let me know who it was um but he uh in street fighter 4 and that match was terrible um it, it, like i would play mike ross and and uh, it was even someone as good as Mike Ross, especially with reads and and just knowing when to do stuff to get in. And Mike would just like it was it was ridiculous. Like it was it was free. Mike Ross was pretty free when it came to that matchup. And and that's nothing against Mike. But this Honda sits down at Super Arcade. It, I think it was right before Evo. So there was a lot of people there um, from all over the place, and he played with this presence and this like weird patience that suddenly put me into this weird unexplored waters and i was super tilted mm-hmm. and we started going back and forth when it's usually like okay mike if i played mike you might get like one or two out of ten or something like that but this honda was like really giving me a run for my money and i was like i just and that that kind of thing has happened multiple times. But when that happens, it's just like you're. It goes from the easiest thing in the world to you. You're in a forest and you have no idea how to get out and where to go. And uh, Honda headbutts and hundred hand slaps coming from every which way from behind
1: the trees yeah uh, and something Bonchan noted as well that people were fully ready to face his Karen but they weren't ready for Sagat and he uses this to his advantage in a few tournaments um, using Sagat just to disrupt game plans and approaches and I mean we saw a few events where he actually played Sagat about 50-50 with Karen I think even a few times he did like 60-40 like a little bit more Sagat than he did Karen in season 4 um, but I mean especially for people who heavily lab your main we just talked about it watching match footage doing all this other kind of stuff just having a sub character who's a different look could be a huge advantage for you to have um, and even though Sagat wasn't a high tier character in season four uh, still times and places you can bust him out you know at the highest of levels you know this is against the, the best players out there and you can advance with them so it's just you know another a case for having an alt in your back pocket that you can bust out there if someone's got a great read on your main or it's a bad matchup sometimes it's just a great time to, to bust out an alt and do something with them uh, last day here, year, uh, we got an email, uh, or I should say a tweet here from uh, BH Raccoon, and he said, uh, you guys have done great coverage with Street Fighter V on the podcast. However, I wonder when official support for Street Fighter V ends, will you guys keep covering it as deeply, or will you focus on a different game? What game slash series could best fill the void if Street Fighter V is not next? So... To, to, dr- not next? Uh, yeah, if, if Street Fighter 5 or Street Fighter 6, I should say, doesn't come next, which we think it's going to. But if it doesn't, right, um, the, our general philosophy here on Event Hubs is we're going to focus on whatever our listeners and readers want to hear uh, our read. There's a very large amount of Capcom fighting game fans on our website and on the podcast. And those are the people we mainly cater to. Uh, But as with all things, we're going to be open to whichever games people have the most interest in. Uh, We can only play a couple of games seriously. Both you and I have, you know, busy personal lives and things like that. So uh, I only play fighting games pretty much. And I only play a couple of them uh, because that's all I really have time for. I'll mess around with the majority of them. I try to play everything a little bit. But um, in terms of like getting high level, it's like I pick a couple games and that's all I can do. Um... So I'm sure, like, whatever games we choose in the future, like, those are the ones you're going to hear here most on the podcast. Um, but, like, I mean, if Riot's fighting game is really strong and we play it a lot, that's going to be something we pick up for sure and discuss a lot here. Um, I'd, of course, be all over personally a new Street Fighter or Marvel game of any type. Um, but we study the metrics of what people want to hear and see a lot on the website. And we naturally kind of gravitate towards whatever, you know, people kind of want to see or hear from us. Uh, that's what we're going to do, because at the end of the day, uh, you've guys are our collective bosses. Um, and the day that you stop trying to service and take care of the people who pay your bills by listening to you and by checking out your, your website and things, uh, that's the day you start to go downhill. So we're a little bit like we have our own opinions on stuff, but we also kind of gravitate towards what people want to see. And we try to make sure that we fill those needs as best we can on the website and on the podcast. So,
0: um, I think a lot of people right now are immediately thinking about what about all the comments I see of, you know, why don't you cover this game more or why is it all SF5 centered and such? That should be an example of people saying they want something different. And yes, those individuals are saying that. And, and those there are a handful of people that do that. But uh, the reason when, when we say the, what people want, it's that's much more communicated in what gets actually clicked on and engaged with than, you know... Uh, what people say in comments that kind of stick out. And so a lot of the stuff that we do cover also has to do with, what people actually engage with. That's how we're measuring how much you, quote-unquote, want something. Um, and, and I just imagine, like I said, that a lot of people are going to immediately come up with that objection, and I wanted to address it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, what they call the vocal minority. you know, And it's uh, some people that are very passionate about certain games and certain things and, and approach and whatnot. And we do respect that, and we do read that. It's John and I don't sit back there and go, oh, man, this jerk like totally jumped in and said, you guys should cover this more. Screw that guy. Well, and Boy, and we
0: even... We even sometimes post on them, and I mean that's oh, yeah. how we know that people like you know we try it and and uh, and, and run with it for a while. Uh, but if it doesn't if it doesn't actually get engaged with enough, it's like well we're also a business, and and you know not every story goes up for the sake of just like oh we think a bunch of people are going to click on this. There are many reasons to uh, to to post information, communicate with people, uh, uh, and do what we do, but you know, if, if people aren't engaging in certain kinds of stories, they were not going to put them up repeatedly.
1: Yeah. And again, um, uh, we're never laughing at people who have a genuine, like, Hey, would you guys cover this more? They have a nice comment and other stuff and they're not like super like jerky about it. Right. Um, Like we're, we're, we are reading that stuff and we are trying to find ways to, to bring more of that coverage into the website. We are willing to try a number of things to try to improve. It's, we have weekly meetings like all the time trying to discuss like different ways of covering things, a variety of stuff. It's not always what the community is suggesting, but sometimes it is, you know, we're, we're looking at this stuff and seeing what we can do constantly. Uh, We, we're always trying to get better. So I mean, like we a, didn't
0: cover Smash Bros. just a few years ago, almost ever, right? And then we we had this whole uh, uh, directed effort to to grow our, our Smash Bros. presence and, and our attention. And thanks to having especially staff members like Adaptive Trigger, Justin, um, and they, they are you know playing that that whole franchise a lot more often and know what's up with that. Uh, that now Smash is is like one of the biggest staples of our site. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we have grown (laughs) and and we do try to adopt new stuff and um, and and are looking forward to growing further. But there has to be, you know, a little a little give and take in that
1: department, too yeah it's this stuff is never falling on deaf ears entirely you know if you're a jerk about it we're probably going to ignore you because like uh, it's you're, you're you're surrounding your comment with so much toxicity that it's kind of hard to see like the value you're really trying to bring to the discussion but if you have a well-reasoned and thought-out argument like i, I personally check most of that stuff out all the time and, and i'm like hmm you know try to think back and, and how can we do some more stuff in that regard uh and there's always things that we can try but um it always has to come with a caveat of like does this work long term for our business. If I'm, you know, trying a bunch of things that aren't going to work, I have to lay off people at that point. And, and we, we're not expanding at that point. We are definitely contracting, you know, so um, the more people we add, the more we're able to do. And and that's kind of how it goes. Uh, I know, you know, everyone always wants more, more, more. Uh, no one ever has written us and said, hey, we need less coverage of everything you guys are doing. It's always how much more can we get. Right. And and I understand that. And uh, but yeah, that's that's basically how we approach stuff on the website. But if you guys ever have questions about that, always feel free to you know ping us, directly on Twitter, uh, hit the comments, whatever. Uh, we can hit it here on a mailbag and, uh, and talk with you guys about it and go from there.
0: So I wanted to hit on my response personally to the mailbag question. And that, that's something interesting to me that I've actually been sort of thinking about maybe not in the same terms, um, within the last couple of weeks, because I, uh, you mentioned just as a few minutes ago, you know the, the real life stuff and and there are uh, big changes that I've been making in my life where I'm um, much more kind of geared toward, you know, starting up a family and thinking about the those kinds of arenas. and that a lot of that is not <laughs> overlapping with, my traditional or, or more recent life of focusing on gaming and competition and maybe going to events and spending all of my free time just grinding and ranks you know all of a sudden now free time is an hour here an hour there and my lunch break maybe to to play whatever games i want to play and then i have to choose like well am i going to play street fighter or fighting games or am i going to do something else you know and and um I, it's been no secret that Uh, i'm not necessarily drawn to playing street fighter 5 as often so uh, and that that kind of takes me out so i sometimes i find myself having to force myself to investigate even street fighter 5 and it far and away is still the game that i have the most interest in right now when it comes to fighting games just on a personal level i'll you know study others to an extent for work and now obviously uh, street fighter 5 for work but To me, the motivation has traditionally always been in just what I am naturally drawn to. And I've had to kind of reevaluate that for myself because of the things I just mentioned. And so I I can't necessarily fully answer that because I don't know how drawn to the next thing I'll be. I'll be very excited to explore it. But now I'm what you know, say Street Fighter 6, say it is Street Fighter 6, I'm exploring that through kind of a different lens than I have before. And more and more of this is now for work than it is just because it's what I would be doing in my own free time. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's that's fine, but it's also going to affect um, you know, the way I look into it and, and the just probably how far I deep or I deep dive into certain avenues and whatnot, or the avenues that I choose to investigate. Um, so I don't know for sure but I do know that I need to as long as I'm going to be working here I need to be involved in the uh, at least one of the biggest titles of the day so with that in mind I think you know it's I, I can't really see myself getting super involved into a Marvel game, but I also, uh, have, I can change that a little bit too, you know, and, uh, and approach it from different angles. Dream King and, and I will definitely get you into one. We'll, we'll get shell salty and it will be great. So, sure. yeah. um, so yeah, so I, I plan to play on play, whatever's next and be able to write and talk about whatever's next and find the juicy bits. And, and hopefully that's motivated on both fronts, but it certainly will be motivated from at least one. So that'll kind of be my approach. And so, yeah, uh, but uh, no, I don't think we'll be talking about Street Fighter Five once it's not the big thing. you know, uh, once it's once the community has sort of generally moved on, it might be a little bit of a departure. you know, we might hang out for a little bit and talk about it less and less and less, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly still center stage in a lot of ways, especially when you're talking about the event hub stage and what people are most uh, most kind of organically interested in. So, um, I hope that kind of answers the question. We'll, we'll float around to, to an extent, but it's probably going to be more of a focus on the, the most major title. Yeah, that's that's what I would expect.
1: Yeah, I, I can I can safely say that the the A games in our community that would be, you know, your Tekken, Mortal Kombat, your Street Fighter. That's definitely where our bias is at. That's where most people's eyeballs and interest are going to be at. And so that's where we're going to be. Um, but uh, in terms of what when we cover from that point, it, you know, it really depends. It, it depends on what people want to see from us. So and uh, but as you know, John mentioned, that's the main thing we watch very, very, very closely. And, uh, and yeah, but uh, like I said, we're always open to, to getting better and trying new things. And, and we have to be and. And, uh, and that's what we're going to be doing. And uh, it's awesome to see how the community evolves. It's it's um, it's amazing how much the the Street Fighter and fighting game community have evolved. You say even over the last 10 years, but imagine like the last like 20 to 30 years, like we've been doing this. It's changed so much. And there's so much variety and so many amazing things out there. Uh, and we're going to keep evolving with it. You know, that's, that's a beautiful part of our community. We adapt and we get better. And there it is. Well put. All right. Nice. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and adapt and get out of here and uh, try to survive everything that's going on and and, uh, and play some more fighting games and all that other kind of stuff and spend time with loved ones. Uh, we also encourage everyone to do that right now. Um, it's, uh, it's a pretty trying time, you know, uh, on the planet at this moment. And uh, keep your loved ones close. You know, tell people you care about them, all that other kind of stuff. Um, this is not, you know, a, a gigantic risky time for a lot of people on the planet, but it is for some. And you want to make sure that you're out there uh, spreading some love and joy where you can. Uh, you never know where life is going to take you, and, and try to try to be the best possible you to the people around you. And, uh, and yeah. so oh, and buy as much
0: toilet paper as you can because that protects against the coronavirus. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. So
1: anyway, <laughs> once again, y'all, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. Your Urian looked like balls. Total freaking balls. It was one. Of, I, I'm not even joking. It looked terrible. I said it on the podcast.